I'm out of here. Happy Festivus. It's Festivus. When George was growing up, no. his father. Nothing. It's nothing. It's a stupid holiday my father invented. It, it, it doesn't exist. Happy Festivus, Georgie. <laughs> Frank invented a holiday? God, he's so prolific. Kramer, I got your message. I haven't celebrated Festivus in years. What is your interest? Well, just tell me everything, huh? You gather your family around and tell them all the ways they have disappointed you over the past year. And is there a tree? No, instead there's a pole. Requires no decoration. Let's begin. Welcome, newcomers. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're gonna hear about it. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them cowboys? How about them cowboys indeed? All right, Cowboys fans, welcome back in the Athletic Podcast Network, the About Them Cowboys podcast. The NFL playoffs are going on. The offseason has already begun for your Dallas Cowboys. Changes are happening. We gave you some reasons last week with friend of the show, Bobby Belt, to be optimistic about this team going forward. There's some things to be positive about, that's for sure. That was a long episode, longer than I expected it to be. But as the Cowboys finish the season 6-10, and 10, we know we have to air some grievances. Yes, some reasons to be pessimistic about the Dallas Cowboys going forward. And, uh, you know, I really think there's nowhere else to begin but to turn things over to Kevin KT Turner to kick things off here at the Festivus of the show. Yeah, no, thank you, Kent. And I think I want to be real clear. I want to get this out of the way first. This is a tradition, right? Yeah. It has to happen. This is more about... Um, Clearing your head, um, mental health, cleaning, yeah, mental health. You know, basically, we are kind of trying to be your psychiatrist here. Um, Let's get through it together, way. Yeah. and we're gonna get through this together. Um, we do this every year uh, as a tribute to Seinfeld. This is our Festivus episode, the a- annual airing of grievances, and you have more grievances when the team is six and ten. Then maybe you do when uh, they're 12 and 4 and you're debating whether to escort it or not. So here we are. There's a long list, and just the way we do this, we'll just throw it out there, discuss why it could be a problem moving forward. And if you think that we're being jerks, we did a positivity episode. You just got to go back and find it a couple weeks ago. Sort of, I want to be clear we're not being complete a holes here. We're actually like, this is just what we do. We did the positive episode, and this is. The airing of grievances. I'll start, John. I'm going to lob one up there for you. I'm really, really worried about the Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins health situation. Both of your tackles. Tyron almost goes without saying. We know his issues, the back and everything. I don't know if the hip and Lyle Collins is getting enough publicity because that is a tough injury to have it if you're playing that position as well. I I'm real worried about that, and I see more Terrence Steele and Brandon Knight in our future. <laughs> well, if they feel the same way, you'll know early in this draft because they'll be addressing it. Um, I mean, everything Stephen Jones has said the last couple of months is that both those guys are doing well and they're on track to be ready to go once the offseason program gets started. So 
there's that, but no, you absolutely are right. There should be some concern there as well. Uh, just from the fact that Tyron Smith hasn't played a full season in over five years now. So you were already missing three games a year with him. And then now you miss almost the entire season and they're just not the same on offense without those guys. I think that was, that was pretty clear. You know, I, you know, losing Dak is the biggest loss, but I think that there would have been more success had, let's say Andy Dalton had Lyle Collins and and Tyron Smith out there blocking for him. Uh, It wouldn't have been the success they'd have with Dak, but it's not, that's not a great look. And you can even throw Leighton Vander Esch in that category too, with the injuries that you're just like, man, you know, it just seems like it's one injury after another. And it's not like you have to look very far. And all of a sudden you're just being reminded of basically Sean Lee's career that when he's healthy, he can be a good player, but is he going to be healthy? And those are huge concerns because those are such important pieces, not only just for the offense to run, but to keep Dak healthy when you're going to make him the highest paid player in franchise history. Um, before I go back to you on this, though, uh, are we going to do one of these shows uh, after they won the Super Bowl? Yeah. Is that the ultimate? Like, it's annual. Hey, we have to end the Festivus if they. It's annual. No. Yeah, it's no. annual. It's got to happen. Yeah, you have There's to find got, the reason. Can't, it can't be have a perfect season unless they go, you know, okay. sixteen and zero, and then sweep the playoffs. Then maybe no. But there will be some things to complain about even if they win the Super Bowl. And I'm not saying that, but I think Kevin is right on. It's about it's about getting this out there, talking about it together, and and becoming better because of it. And, you know, learning from our mistakes and, and trying to improve, you know, this might turn into kind of an optimism episode at the end. You know, we're talking yeah. about reasons to be pessimistic or we're like, yeah, well, it's, it's brighter days ahead, I think. It, it, well, I'll make you a deal. If they go 19 and 0, we will call off future, <laughs> yes, deal. future renditions of the Festivus episode. What if they go 18 and 1 and then the loss is one of those games where they just like basically like rest starters because they've already got everything locked up in the playoffs? See, now we're getting into semantics here. <laughs> I'm Why are we even talking about the this? Producer. Yeah, well, not waste time on this. Let's let's keep uh, let's keep the airing of grievances uh, going there. Uh, anything more to say on the uh, on the offensive line there though? Well, I, I do like John's point. If they go offensive line at pick 10, Mm. Or if they trade down to 18 and take an offensive lineman or whatever. Uh, or if it, it pick 44. But I, I think this front office, I, I, the, the big question is how much influence does Steven have? And Jerry too. How much influence do they have and how much are they in love with the, the idea of their past success of knocking out first one uh, first round offensive linemen? And if they're like in love with that and they know they got to hit it and they're not feeling great about whatever defensive players there at 10. I mean, I, I, I'm I okay with that pick. I, I totally am okay with picking an offensive lineman there. I, that's why I threw that out there first. I, I think I think that's a good reality check. So I'm glad you brought that up, John, because it's a – I mean, I, to me it's a coin flip whether Tyron's even on the roster or not. Dude, I'm – you know, let's air a grievance here. Let's quit pretending like Tyron Smith – is 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 cool. Everything's cool. Oh yeah, he's just gonna get this uh, little little surgery here. It'll be fine. It'll be great. Yeah. No, we've been. I know he's only missed a couple games every year, but this is a guy who can play through anything, and he's probably played through a lot of games, probably majority of games that he shouldn't be playing in because he can play through injury. And this is a neck and back injury. You know, this is not something a shoulder injury, a knee injury, uh, you know, an ankle, something that you can over time kind of play through. And when you're old and gray, you can kind of live with a bad knee, right? 
this is this is tough, and 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 I think it's naive to think if the Cowboys choose to go a different direction at pick ten and say, oh, this receiver became available, we you know, or or whatever it is, that Tyron Smith is going to be around for for much longer. We just can't keep convincing ourselves that that's going to be the case because this is a guy who. Wouldn't surprise me if he retires tomorrow. You know, completely honest with you, it would not shock me, and it should not shock the Cowboys when it happens. I feel like the way we talk about Tyron and him, hopefully being around, is almost the way people talk about like movies that they loved as a kid but don't hold up anymore. You know, <laughs> Ace Ventura. Hey, no, Ace Ventura one, great. I think it's still Ace pretty Ventura good. Two, no, yeah, Ace Ventura two doesn't terrible. hold up. It was one. good when I was nine, but. I was 33 and I watched it and I was... There is a lot of Jim Carrey just playing to the camera to kill time in that movie. Good good but Jim Carrey movie, though. Underrated. Cable Guy. Love the Cable Check Guy. Check that one out. Cable Guy is incredible. Yeah. yeah. But you're like, oh, it's like, oh, Tyron will be fine. He'll be fine. It's like, okay, now actually really go back and watch that movie. And then you have a guy missing games because he hurt his back. That's what you get when you watch that movie. Again. Right. And I don't want Tyron to, to have prolonged back pain in his life. Dude, like, I, I, if he's not right with his back, like if all that stuff's messed up, I want him to retire. Like, I, I, I can't stand to see guys, guys who have kids and stuff, and Tyron's still young, to like just be hurting at thirty-five forever because you know they wanted to give it another shot. But I hope he's healthy and can play. Right, like that's that's option one. Healthy can play, and he's back to Tyron. But I just, it feels like those percentages kind of diminish every day. John, far away. And by the way, these are in no specific order. I want to be clear. We're just throwing these out there. So go ahead, John. Uh, Mine would be everything to do with the defense. Yes, they hired Dan Quinn, and it seems like they've turned over a new leaf, and there's reason to be optimistic now. But our airing of grievances focuses on this past season, and I just thought there was – there should have been a lot more from the defense than what we saw. And so now they replace Mike Nolan. So that's a start. But you have to sit there and still question the talent that they have on defense and how much that talent needs to be improved. And I thought that was very glaring throughout the season. Um, I understand that some might see the light at the end of the tunnel because of the way that they played against some very bad teams down the back end of this schedule. I don't necessarily feel that way. Um, I think, for one, they have to be so much better against the run. And so we'll see that. That seems like you know Dan Quinn will be all about going back to a lot more of what Rob Marinelli was about, stopping the run, being physical, you know, guys playing fast, that type of stuff. So that makes sense. And so there is light at the end of the tunnel. I'm not saying there isn't, but I, I find it hard to believe that if you watched all 16 games of this Cowboys season, that you came away feeling very good about this defense, even at the end of the year, after they played against some really bad quarterbacks. Because let's remember, when you look at that entire schedule, like there aren't very many really good quarterbacks that they faced this season, and they had problems. So what happens you know, next year's schedule? You have, uh, you're definitely going to have Patrick Mahomes on it. Uh, it's going to be a better schedule than, than this one was. So... There, there's there's some major issues there, and I just wonder if it can they can be fixed enough in one offseason. Yeah, no, and I think that's the whole thing, too, where taking an offensive tackle there prevents you from maybe loading up on defense. You're still tra- you're probably going to load up on defense on the draft for sure, but like that kind of something they got to think about. How much can you overturn it in one offseason? You know, I, I kind of 
what I would I had a specific one I want to add on to that, John, and it's uh, an airing of grievances is that a lot of the homegrown talent in the secondary, exception of Trevon Diggs, obviously, homegrown talent in the secondary didn't step up in a contract year and say, hey, you got to keep me around. Jordan Lewis, a third-round pick. Cheeto, a second-round pick. Uh, Xavier Woods, a sixth-round pick. All in contract years, and none of those players stepped up and gave you really any reason to go, man, I got to have them on the team next year. Maybe with Xavier Woods, maybe you would go, you know what? Come back for cheap. Let's do an Anthony Brown type thing, but maybe cheaper. Uh, maybe Jordan Lewis did that. Cheeto was hurt so much and so ineffective. I mean, he had a, a good game late in the season, but you know, we're not we're not giving guys contracts off one good game on a year they were hurt. That was really frustrating to me. I, I really thought one or two of those guys in a contract year would step up and really prove that hey, we need to be here. You know, maybe do it in a way that wasn't like completely reestablishing their their off uh, or their free agent, uh, you know, market value. And maybe you could get another Anthony Brown type contract that kind of helps you. And none of them did it. So I'm to the point where I don't care if Cheeto, Jordan Lewis, or Xavier Woods is on this team. And when you have a team that needs secondary help, help that's really frustrating because you know you'd like to say, man, I need to keep one of those guys, and they just. It just just really doesn't matter if you have them or not, it seems like. And the players wanted new coaches on defense. I, they're not getting rid of this, this coaching staff on defense and making these changes if the players were unhappy. So what if things go wrong early on under Dan Quinn? Are they are we going to see effort issues there too? I mean, that, that, I don't think there uh, that'll happen. I think that there's going to be, I don't know, I think guys are going to play better under Dan Quinn's system. I just think it better fits the personnel on the roster, but... Those effort issues were a major concern because we just hadn't really seen a lot of that for the previous decade. And to see it so many times this past season when things weren't going their way, that wasn't that wasn't good either. That's one of those things where that's bigger than just X's and O's. That's, that shows you you have a bigger issue behind the scenes. And I, I think, I mean, and that's the whole thing of like, these guys have proven they really didn't handle change very well, you know, um, and even in Jalen's comments, we've talked about a million times, been the first month of the season complaining about the scheme. It's like, wait, what is that? And that brings me to my next one real quick. I'm going to go again. Jalen Smith is scheduled to be a starter on your defense next year as we speak right now. That's an airing of grievances for me. <laughs> did you guys see ca- the uh, – every Cowboy fan. Did you guys see the athletics Bob Sturm tweeting out some Jalen Smith uh, plays this past weekend on Twitter? Some all oh, twenty-two right. stuff. Oh. oh, I remember them quite oh, well tough. when they happened live. Yeah, a bit, but I mean <laughs> to to see it in at you know two x speed or whatever is uh, ooh, it's even worse <laughs> than than it was in the moment. It's bad, and for Jalen to say it's uh, you know, will I be here next year? Just watch the tape. Like that is so uh, Jalen Smith. I don't. I guess it's what that is. You know. But it's not just Jalen either. I mean, you you have serious concern about how much, how many games are you going to get late in Van Der Esch? How much is he going to play? Like linebacker yeah. last year at this time, we were thinking, oh, it's going to be a real strength going into next season. And now you look at it and you're like, man, they could take a linebacker at ten, and I wouldn't even be that surprised by. It. I mean, linebacker is certainly not something you can hang your head on right now. That well, that's that we can worry about something else. I mean, Jalen's not the only issue there. They got they got some serious concerns at linebacker. Didn't it feel to you though that like. Leighton was doing 
the things like like the efforts never question with Leighton, and then I feel like, like you see him like hit the right like run fill. I mean, I always feel like Leighton's doing the right thing, uh, or a lot yeah, of the time. Yeah, for the most part, like, yeah, for, yeah, for most part, for the yeah. most part. I mean, everyone's got yeah, uh, yeah, that Lamar Jackson that. touchdown run. I mean, yeah. he admitted after the game like that. Yeah, he was guessing on that, but that also could be a product of everything's going so bad on de- on defense. I'm just trying to make a play right now because we're just yeah. getting gashed, you know. But no, but oh yeah, no, I agree with you. Most of the time, yeah, he he's he's in the right spot. Like I feel like they're a better defense when he's on the field. Um, is Sean Lee coming back? You As know what I was thinking about the other day. It's so funny to even think about this. How it was very very recent. How the defense couldn't even function if Sean Lee was out. Remember like two years ago yeah. where we were like, Sean Lee's not playing? Okay, that's a loss. And it was true. Like if he wasn't out there, they were going to lose. The defense could not play football without Sean Lee on the field. And uh, gosh, how how he's missed, man. I know he's still on the team, but his role is a little bit different. Just we need a guy like that on this team who can just pull the troops together and get everybody on the same page and is a baller. You know, I think Leighton can be that. We'll see if he grows into that. But um, man, Sean Lee, maybe we do a separate episode on just what he means to this team and 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 all that. But good God, he was he the, the defense could not function without him for two or three years straight. <laughs> It would be interesting to see what would happen if they brought in, let's say they drafted a linebacker at 10 with a, that was has really strong like leadership, uh, you know, alpha type guys in the locker room because, you know, I certainly get the sense that Leighton feels that this is his defense and Jalen feels like this is his defense. So if you spent the 10th overall pick on a linebacker who's like, yeah, I'm coming in here because you guys clearly aren't doing your jobs. That's why they're bringing me in, or they don't feel good about what you guys can do. That would be that would make for an interest, interesting dynamic. Um, I don't. I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I, the sense I get is that they feel the same way about linebacker is what they're saying about offensive tackle. That they, you know, it seems like that's what they're saying, and that they're going to go into the next season with those guys. I think that that more so than the offensive tackles, it has a lot to do with Dan Quinn. If Dan Quinn thinks that these guys can make plays and they can fit into what he wants to do and, uh, and, and they're better options than going and, and getting somebody in the middle of the draft or, or low budget free agency type guys, then, then both these guys will be in the same position they were this past year. But if Dan Quinn watches all the tape from last year and comes away thinking like, man, we're in trouble here. I find it hard to believe they're not taking a linebacker somewhere in this draft within the first few rounds. That's us thinking if, if they draft a linebacker at pick 10 or at pick yeah, they're not, 44. Yeah. yeah, they're probably not doing it for special teams reasons. Well, yeah, and they're probably cutting Jalen post-June 1. That's that. Although there, there's, a, there's a big part of me that says they don't have it in them to cut Jalen. There's a big part of me no. that says they won't want to a either admit their mistake, b let him go, whatever it is. Can we add this to the airing of grievances? The uh, we've paid a guy, so now he has to be the starter and play a ton. Can we yeah, quit that? Absolutely. You're trying to win football absolutely. games. It applies to no. the offense too. And like dude, the Jalen thing, you can get out of the the dead money's not bad. Nine million over a span of four years. That's not bad. You can deal with that. You know, like that's to me, obviously you'd like for him to perform better, but like is Jalen, like his teammates, we're not stupid. These things are tweeted out all the time. His teammates see things like him pointing 
when everyone else is scrambling for a football and he's pointed like they got it on the Wayne Gallman butt fumble. <laughs> like, you know, they, they see How that How do you know stuff. they all think it's an issue? You can't just assume that they all think that that's an issue. No, you're right. You would, you would like to hope, but yeah. you can't assume. Yeah, no, and it, hey, if it's your friend or whatever, you're going to think it's not an issue, right? I, just, I wonder. I just sometimes wonder what what his what the feelings are about him in the locker room. And I don't like to talk about that stuff because I'm not in there, right? But it's it, like they have they, they see this stuff. They see him time after time on tape. Unless Mike Nolan was not pointing this out on tape when they're when they're going through games and stuff, or or even McCarthy or whatever. Like you time after time missing run fits. Like you see it. So it's like, what are we going to – I don't understand. I don't think – there's not a number of tackles that he can make that cover up some of the mistakes he was making on defense. So that's – yeah. they see that. I hope they see that. I don't. I just don't know. Yeah. Well, and that kind of gets into coaching. That would that would have to be a concern after the first season. Uh, the, there's plenty that can be said about having to do this in year one through COVID and other things that they had to deal with, and then you mix in the injuries – it's not a recipe for many people having success, but I just, I come away from year one of this coaching staff and there's just a lot, I don't know that, I feel like I have more questions now than I did when they decided to move in this direction. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where I, I feel like I'm going to keep reminding myself that, you know, this team wasn't far off. You know, this wasn't some team that like needed a rebuild. So... I'm just very interested to see where this goes in this upcoming season because there can't be excuses. Like you have to, to, to deliver. Like the you, there's plenty of reasons for excuses this past season, and I can see looking back on this if Mike McCarthy is the head coach five years from now and they've had playoff success and being like, yeah, you know, that first year was an outlier in that. But I don't know how anybody watches this first season and isn't like, man, I need to see a lot more before I make my my decision about this whole this whole coaching move that they made here because I don't know that they're significantly better off than they were 365 days ago. I mean, I don't have to spend a lot of time on it because the people that listen to this podcast yeah. probably know where I'm at on this, but my area of grievances is it's more of a reason to not look at next year and be like, eh. what you saw from a game management standpoint out of your head coach is who he is. That is exactly who he is. Well, that's not going to get any better. No, it's what he is. No, that doesn't get better. It gets better if, you know, Dak plays and, you know, the game, you're winning by two touchdowns so he doesn't have to make, you know, tough decisions. Like, all that stuff, busting up watermelons three times because he didn't have anything else. <laughs> that's him. So, I'm just like, that's, I'm not saying don't expect the team to be better. I'm not saying don't expect him to be better once he gets to know the roster better. I'm saying from a straight-up decision-making, like the fake punt situation, which maybe he let the special teams coach do or whatever, you know. All that stuff is what it is. Like, that doesn't change. And that's why I was frustrated with the hire in the beginning. I didn't think he was a game management upgrade over Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett, man, he get a job? He still get that Chargers interview and then... I think he's still the Giants' offensive coordinator. Dude, I would love it if the Eagles would just go hire him, and let's just have a little fun. And what if the, what if he won a Super Bowl with them? 
we'd have to wear that. And that would mean Carson Wentz. I do love how he's. I do love how he is super overlooked. On like everyone skips over him, and then all of a sudden he starts giving all the praise to like Kellen Moore for like Dak developing. Like Jason Garrett was a big part of Dak developing. So for anyone to sit there and go, why would they? Why would? And and again, I'm not saying. Hold up here. I'm not saying he goes higher. And we were joking with this, but I'm just saying like if he ended up having success with Carson Wentz, I wouldn't be that stunned. Like if if someone was able to kind of turn him around and like rebuild him up or whatever. Like that is Jason's expertise. Now there are a lot of other areas that I don't think would be uh, great. And I, and it certainly wouldn't yeah. fit well in Philadelphia, but he deserves credit for, he helped bring Dak along. He was a big part of, of the early stages there. You know, and, and Linehan got that OC job in Jacksonville. And I, I know Linehan's kind of a punchline around these parts at this point, but what he did with Dak is very important, and Jason is all in on that, and Wade Wilson's all in on that. Rest in peace. But like, those things are all like you got got to remember that stuff. Like, they were a part of it. And oh, it's it's just wild to think that they've made the playoffs three times in the last decade, and all three times Scott Linehan was their offensive coordinator. They haven't they haven't made it with anybody else calling plays except for Scott Linehan. It's almost like having like a strict parent until the age of like uh, you know ten. And then it's like, you know what, now we're going to let you start going out and hanging out with friends around the neighborhood now. We're going to stop babying you now. So now so, hey, so basically, now Dak's like, hell yeah, we're ripping it down the field and setting records. So basically Tom Brady this year as after, except yeah. he doesn't get that. He doesn't get that ability until he's in his 40s. Yeah. Bruce Arians is like, go for it. I don't care. Smoke a doobie. You yeah. Know? He seems to be having a lot of fun. Not that he wasn't having fun winning six rings, yeah. but. He seems to be having a good time now. So, yeah. Anyway, go on. You're up next. Give me another uh, grievance. Uh, well, yeah, my, my next grievance, and we've kind of we're staying on uh, the defensive side of the ball one more time here. My other grievance is defensive tackles just not going to cut it. If your plan is, well, Tristan Hill's going to rehab, and then um, then we're going to bring back Antoine Woods real quick, and then oh, we liked what Justin Hamilton did. They're developing Deville Gallimore, who I like a lot. I really do like Deville Gallimore. I think he's got to possibly bring it back Gerald McCoy. That doesn't do anything yeah. for you. Like all that stuff is like, okay, what else? Like it's just not going to be enough if you want big change. Um, I, how many times do I do this reference on this podcast per year? It's my first one of 2021, though. No more half measures, Walt. <laughs> I'm doing it again. That's like the seventh time I've done it. But it's so important when you think about these things. No half-ass in the defensive tackle position anymore. And, and, and to some extent, I feel that way about safety. Absolutely. And 100%. I, you know, Those two are intertwined. We're going to know a lot about this first year of Dan Quinn and what they're addressing and how they address it by the fact of defensive tackle and safety. Because uh, especially with safety, like Mike McCarthy, Dan Quinn, both are guys that have shown that they will spend early draft picks on that position. Yeah. Will that continue? Will they invest in free agency, safety, and defensive tackle? I completely agree with you. Those two, those are the two spots you have to watch on this defense and how they address it this offseason. And for those that don't get the reference, it's from Breaking Bad. The idea is uh, if you're going to commit the crime, don't leave any evidence there. Commit the crime and get out. It's basically, you know, no more half measures. No more kind of waffling. Well, I might commit the crime, kind of. Well, I might invest in defensive tackle, but maybe we'll see if – Gerald McCoy's got a little something left on a on a bad leg, you know. Yeah, you know. I don't know if that's the way to go about it. I saw your um, your 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 article, John, on um, players they should should look at 
Your defensive tackle one intrigued me. Gerald McCoy on the list. Jack Crawford on the list, former Cowboy. Saw saw a lot of former Cowboys on the on the list that they could bring back. Damian Wilson at linebacker, you know. Um, well, I had to factor in two things. One is the fact that they're not going to have a lot of money to spend. So I automatically yeah. got to take the top guys out of it. You know, I, I just don't think that they're going to be able to spend like that guy for the defensive tackle. I threw in Delvin Tomlinson. I think he's too rich for them. Like, I don't think that they can afford to pay him. He's in the prime of his career and he's done nothing but produce, never missed a game for the Giants. So, but I, but the other guys like, like a Jack Crawford, Jack Crawford has Cowboys ties. Jack Crawford has Dan Quinn ties. So Christian Covington. Yeah. Like, Cowboys ties. Yeah. Yeah. So like they're guys that they had Terry previous. Hyder. Yeah, when they were running a 4-3. Kerry Hyder with a season high in, in, in sacks this past year. But, yeah, I, I know people will probably look at that and they'll be like, oh, these names, these guys aren't anybody. What do you think they're going to spend in free agency? Like, I mean, I, like at safety, I threw in Justin Simmons. Do you think I really think that they're going to get Justin Simmons? Like, they're not going to make that much of a turn at safety all of a sudden to go from, ah, we're good with, like, fifth, sixth-round picks here. Now we're going to go make Justin Simmons one of the highest-paid uh, safeties and maybe he becomes the highest paid safety in football. Like, no, I, I understand it's probably not going to happen. I was just, that's why I put out 20 names kind of, Hey, this is what's out there, but probably not completely realistic. But yeah, no, there's a lot of former Cowboys because they probably won't be that expensive. Probably get them on one year deals. And if anything you've learned in the NFL guys that run teams, they like their guys. So, yeah. Um, Dan Quinn has any Falcons ties at all. Yeah. I mean, even even Seattle ties, you know, keep that in mind. All that stuff's all connected. The Cowboys have, you know, I, we, we've seen this so many times where they you see a guy and he goes to the practice. Like, why do you think the Cowboys brought Cooper Rush back? You know, like they just like it's just the way these front offices work in this league. So, you know, yeah, Jack Crawford that, you know. Um, went to Atlanta after um, after mm-hmm. Dallas. So there's a Dan Quinn tie there. Not only a Cowboys Absolutely. tie, but a Dan Quinn tie. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I don't really have anything to say about the wide receivers. I'm totally happy with the wide receivers. We're good on that front. Yeah, oh. we're good on wide receivers. Nothing to say okay. about running back, right? It goes back to what I said earlier, and I had this on my notes as something, but I already brought it up of, can we stop that we pay the guy that he's going to be our guy? Um, you know, that's been Jerry Jones's philosophy since he's, since he's on the team. Um, you know, think about Roy Williams, you know, it was clear that that wasn't the, the move. Uh, he wasn't the guy pretty early on after that deal, but when you make those kinds of deals, he's going to play. Right. Um, and, and I think Zeke can be a useful player for the Cowboys. I don't think he's should sit on the bench or anything like that. But, um, I think when you have a player that's, that's coming on like a Tony Pollard, they need to do a better job of, of splitting the carries and using Zeke in situations where Zeke is effective a lot more and give Tony Pollard the, the opportunities to break long runs uh, because it's clear this stage that he has got a little bit more juice there than Zeke and Zeke had that juice. Maybe he'll get it back this off season. We'll have to see, but I, going into next year, I want to see a better job of, of Zeke getting, being more comfortable in a role on this team rather than, I'm your bell cow back. Give me the ball 25 times. That's what I'm here yeah. for. That's it. I like, I like to see a third running back work into the mix as well, yeah. whether that means popping a draft pick in the sixth or seventh round, but a guy who has traits that you can be, that can be used, uh, you know, in a way that kind of supplements Tony Pollard and, and Zeke as well. The, th- the, the thing is, I would say is 
And this is the main grievance there. It's not so much, well, yeah, obviously we know even giving Zeke that contract, you know, looks real bad. But the hypocrisy and rushing to give Jalen and Zeke a contract, and here we are still waiting to get a Dak deal done. I mean, we shouldn't be waiting on this. And I know that might be a thing on Dak's side as well, but we should not be waiting on this. A whole new market of quarterbacks are about to get paid. If Dak wants a deal, he might just need to hold out, like, straight up. Like, that's what got Zeke's deal done, was was him just not being there. And I think, like, if worse comes to worse, if I was Dak, I would just say, all right, well, if you want me to be your quarterback, you'll give me a long-term yeah. deal. See ya. Is Dak's agent waiting on Josh Allen to get a contract now? Is I'm he sure now he waiting on I'm sure he wouldn't Lamar mind Jackson. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. No, I'm sure he wouldn't mind any of those guys getting contracts. I mean, the other guys in that group are, are what, Baker? Yeah, he would be up, yeah. Darnold in that class? Yeah, I don't think they have to worry Honestly, about him. Honestly, don't have to worry about him. Uh, gosh, man, I, I kind of like to trash Baker Mayfield, but he looks pretty good on Sunday um, for the most part. Um, yeah, and, uh, that, that's that's the thing that bothers me the most is like, oh, deadlines get deals, but you know, you want to go hold out in Cabo, we're going to reward you with the contract. Right. Uh, and I know we're talking about things from years past, but still – it's so frustrating when it's like, okay, well, what is the most important position on your team? It's the quarterback. What is maybe one of the least important positions? Well, on your I team? think it's pretty clear Garbage by their running. actions. I think it's pretty clear by their actions that they didn't think Dak could have success to the level that they were hoping without a good running game in Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, signing Zeke was a big part of signing. Well, drafting Zeke was to help out Romo, and then it ended up being a great fit to go along with what Dak does. And so because he was he was the engine those first two years, mm-hmm. Zeke was a more valuable player. I still maintain Zeke should have won rookie of the year over Dak. And, I, and, and I'm fine with him getting it. Like one of those guys should have gotten But Zeke was phenomenal his rookie year. I mean, just amazing. So those first two years, it was Zeke, but it has switched since then. And Dak has continued to get better. And now they see that, oh, he can do this even if he doesn't have the dominant running game. But I'm not convinced that they thought that he could be an elite quarterback without a dominant running game. And so to make him elite, they felt like we have to get Zeke done, especially we're going into Jason Garrett's last year. If he wants to be, continue being this coach, we have to have success. And we're not going to be able to have success without Ezekiel Elliott. We can say now that was foolish, but at the time, there weren't many people saying that was foolish. I, I think after 2018, after they got Amari Cooper, what we saw in the back half of that season was enough for me. That's where sure. I was going, oh, it's on. Yeah, it's yeah. on. This guy can play. Like, yeah. can you give him that? And okay, and it's like, oh, he's still, you're assuming there's growth potential. And it's the thing about just looking at the league and what those positions mean. There's growth potential at quarterback. There's not much growth potential at running back after five years. There's not. Yeah. Like, so that's that's just a basic thing that I think they've, they messed I, up on. And I, yeah. I'll air the grievances because it's the air the grievances episode. So there it is. My next one is the division. I mean, this is a division that, is terrible and is the worst in the NFL and you go two and four against division opponents, that might be number one on my list of things that (laughs) just cannot happen and should not have happened this season. Three of those, like, okay, so two of the other teams also in the same situation you were with first year head coaches. I mean, it just sets up that like 500 at least, and you probably should have went four and two. This is a division that over the previous three years, the Cowboys were 15 and three. So to all of a sudden drop to that. And then here's the other thing that was really interesting too. And I was, 
uh, looking looking up Mike McCarthy's past in Green Bay is that like he dominated the NFC North until the end. His last yeah. two years in Green Bay, the domination was over. Those are the, the he had a winning record against the NFC North. Even his first year when when they struggled, he still finished with a winning record there. Had a winning record throughout until those last two seasons he was in Green Bay, and I think he was five hundred one year, and then had a losing record the other year, and then obviously you know they moved on. But yeah, two and four against the NFC East. I mean that's that's one that I guarantee you bothers McCarthy, but he won't. He probably won't say it. But that like he knows they have to be better. He, they have to be better than two and four if they were in the best division in the NFL against yeah, the worst. No. That they should have won at least four of those games. Yeah, and that's one thing Jason Garrett always did was handle up on the division. Um, you know what? Can I can I swing here? Can I go with the owner for a minute? Go. I know. I'll be careful. I'll be careful. <laughs> what are you about to take a shot at his well, character? I was going to say, we do not care that you or the Dallas Cowboys or AT&T Stadium is setting attendance records during a global pandemic. Literally, you are the only person who cares. Like, it's you and it's only you. And when you say that stuff, it makes you look really bad and unaware of what's going on. So, I just want to be... I'm not mad at you, but just be real for a second. Nobody cares. You have money. You're good. So, forcing 30,000 people in there, great. But that's not something I would be pounding my chest over. In a global pandemic, where daily more people are dying than died in Pearl Harbor and 9-11. So, like, let's just kind of, let's get real here. And let's not, like, celebrate the fact that you were able to get more people into your huge stadium. Yeah. That's all. I just think that's so bad. That's all. Not a good look. Wasn't a good look. Wasn't a good look. That's a terrible look. They went they went five hundred at home though. Hey, was it a bad sign for the season when in the state of the team address he opened it up by saying, We're good for COVID because of all the airflow? Um Bet, yeah, better I mean, so than the than than completely open stadiums that don't even have didn't even have fans this year. What about the team and the new coach? <laughs> is that well, I don't know if talking about getting fans in there is number one. You could like, I don't know not have fans all year and still be in the AFC championship game like the Buffalo Bills. I'm just, you know, you could do that. Like maybe not worry about that type of stuff and maybe worry about what's happening on the field. Uh, you know, uh, that sounds great, Kevin, uh, Kevin, but um, Jerry's not wired that way. Like no, to nothing. him, half of his preparation for the season, if not more, goes into the fans and the experience and, how is he going to market this thing and what are the sponsors going to be and all that? Like he can't just say, all right, well, Oh no fans. Okay. All right. We'll worry about that next year. Okay. Well, that this football team, like he can't do that. He can't. And I love Jerry. I love him. I've worked for him. And he, you know, I've done projects for him, you know, on a one-on-one basis. I love the guy. I would, you know, he's like a father figure to me. I really do. I love, I love him with all my soul, but you got to admit your mistakes sometimes, and that's not the way you should go about this. You've got to focus more on the team. You're a billionaire. You're going to be good with the money. The team's going to be fine. The business is going to be fine. Let's 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 um, put the fans' health 
you know, at priority, let's put the team at priority. Let's figure this thing out. But that was not a good look. I, I totally agree with you, uh, Kevin, that, um, things need to change there in terms of priorities around there. It seems like if I'm the head coach though, I don't hate it because I think this has been one of the best years to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys because Jerry didn't really get an opportunity. Like, well, he got opportunities, but he never really did any second guessing. There was, he really didn't throw anybody under the bus. He pretty much backed everybody the whole entire season. And obviously it didn't go well, you know? So if I'm the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys and I know the history of Jerry's involvement and things that he says to the media and things like that, I mean, I would grade this one pretty high in my list of like, yeah, let's have that again. Let him let him worry about how many fans are coming in and and COVID and things like that. And let me coach this football team. I mean, yeah, I think that's that true. From that perspective, if you're the head coach, like, where did he really get in your way? You know, that's and true. You can't say that every year. Absolutely. There's a built-in excuse this year too for McCarthy. You know, on so many yeah. so many levels. Like this was like the the if you're gonna have a year one fail. This was the year one you wanted to fail because there's so many things, you know, not only Dak getting hurt, but just the uh, team not being able to be together all, all the time. I mean, it, it really was like a year for McCarthy to get his legs under him and figure this thing out. And so if year two, he, he's not, you know, maybe airing grievances of Mike McCarthy, like he doesn't pull this thing together quickly next year. He's on a hot seat for me for like a midseason we got to move on. We've got to we've got to salvage this Super Bowl window for these guys somehow, some way. And so um, you set the yeah. bare minimum. Are we going back to Garrett standards? Like bare minimum, he has to make the playoffs. Is that what we're doing? I think further, man. I think they make the playoffs. That's great, but like that's where you were four years ago with Dak. You know, like you've got to be able to take the next step, as Stephen Jones likes to say. You know. Um, yeah, and if if Mike McCarthy has not taken your team to the next level, get somebody in here that can. It's really that simple. I mean, let's see what Sean Payton's up to next year. You know, I, I will say this: McCarthy is a little different in the way that he handles his teams, and it, it might be different because of the front office structure here, and and not having an owner in Green Bay. But he kind of viewed it in Green Bay as almost like a college football program. Uh, and he, you'll hear him say, use the word program a lot as well. Where I think Garrett had this realization because Garrett, you know, played in the league and understands all the turnover and all that stuff. Garrett had this realization that every year the slate is wiped clean. I mean, we've heard Witten talk about that. Every year the slate is wiped clean and you're starting from zero. I almost think McCarthy looks at it as some big picture thing. So I think he'll look at 6-10 and 10 and not necessarily, even though the roster will be turned over quite a bit, I don't think he'll view it as, all right, well, here we are, O and O again. Like, it's kind of a, a different a different philosophy, I think, with McCarthy. I think more of a, of a program and building towards something. So making the playoffs four years ago, I, I'm not sure how much that would really mean to McCarthy, and I'm not sure if, what that would mean to Jerry and Steven. I mean, Jerry and Steven are going to give McCarthy uh, as, as much of a leash as they've, they've, you know, that we're led to believe. I think he's a three-year minimum. I think if they missed the playoffs again, he would probably get a third year. Yeah, I agree with you. It would have unless to be it, epi- unless it's a disaster. Yeah, it would have to be epically bad. But I, I mean, I think as long as they're in the hunt, I think he gets another year. Like, uh, and I know that that'll uh, uh, upset fans and things like that. But Jerry will spin it as you know, 
we knew that this was going to happen when you bring in a new coach. I've said it before, which he said many a times, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing uh, when you change head coaches. And that's why he was so reluctant to do so with Jason, you know, because you're somewhat going another direction. But yeah, I mean, if there are like five or six wins, then maybe something, then we can revisit that. But as long as they're in yeah. contention, I think, I think he'll be back for, for a third year for sure. Um, one other thing I want to mention was the red zone issues. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they were, hold on, I got the numbers here. They scored touchdowns only 50% of their trips into the red zone. And so just as comparison, the only teams that were worse, Bengals, Giants, and Jets. So that's not exactly where you want to be. Now, I will say this, that number does tend to go up and down. Uh, you're not, I mean, it's very, I'm not expecting the Cowboys to be in the top five every year in red zone touchdowns and that, but they need to be better than they were this past year. Uh, so yeah, just for context, comparing it back, they, they were, they converted 57% in 2019, 52 in 2018, 60 in 2017. And then in 2016, which is probably the closest they've come in a while to making a real playoff run, they were 65.5%, which that was fifth best in the league. So I would think when you get Dak back, you have all these receivers now have a year under their belt of playing together. You mix in Dalton Schultz now with how he's developed with Blake Jarwin, Zeke, Tony Pollard. There's no reason this team shouldn't be close to 60% or better in, in the red zone at scoring touchdowns. That has to get better for sure. And what that jumps out is just some, sometimes there were sacks that Dalton would take that maybe Dak doesn't take. Um, and that kind of sets you back once you are you know down in the red zone. Uh, but you're right. Like, yeah, the offensive has, line this, issues. I mean, yeah, those, offensive those line actually, issues. Yeah, yeah, and this team has too many weapons to be, uh, you know, not hovering around sixty percent in the red zone. And we saw some some things that Kellen has on some two point plays and things like that. You're like, wow, that was a great design. You see those flashes there, and it's just like getting it more consistent. And obviously, getting your quarterback and and some semblance of your offensive line back that matters. Do you guys have anything else left in your chamber here? I, I think I. I wanted to. I think I'm done. After I went at Jerry, I'm kind of scared to throw out anything else. So, <laughs> why well, one other one was on the turnovers, and it's mainly because of the fact of just early in the season when Dak was healthy, uh, they were just turning the ball over way too much. Yeah. Now, uh, I think that was 11, 11 turnovers in the first five games. So that's when you still had Dak, and obviously Zeke. He had the five fumbles in six games. I mean. You they can't have them. that stuff. Yeah, no, that that's where I already put you in a bad spot. If the next season starts with a lot of that going on early in the year, that'll be a really bad sign. But I can see how you can chalk that up to, you know, yeah, it was just some bad luck. And, uh, you know, just like the injuries, you know, everything was just against uh-huh. us this year. All right. All right. If, if that's the case, I guess you can get a one-year pass on that. But, man, that stuff can't be happening again. That's two years in a row of early season turnover woes. Uh, that's That's not good. And this team's a team that needs if the, to get the most out of Zeke. I think they got to play ahead, and if they can get leads and things like that, you're not going to get leads if you're turning the ball over early in games and early in the season. I had uh, one Kent, last one. Oh, I, yeah, well, yeah. I had one more. Uh, got a lot of grievances over here. <laughs> no. um, you got to hope that this year's free agency gets some better profit than last year's. I mean, yeah, you get Alden Smith and Andy Dalton was pretty good, but. Man, there's a lot of swing and misses from the Ha Ha Clinton Dixes, the Daryl Worleys, Don uh, Terry Poe. Don Terry Poe's. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Gerald McCoy got hurt, but just not great. Now. Oh, Greg Zerline was a, was a good free agency addition as well. But uh, for the most part, a lot of swing and misses there. 
they needed to be better there with a new first-year coaching staff to kind of get more adapted, particularly on defense, and that just wasn't there. Obviously, Maurice Kennedy uh, opted out. There just wasn't a lot of lot of success in the free agency. And now, as we said earlier, they're not going to be big spenders again this year, but you hope that there's a few more hits than there were this past season. And last year's pretty historical miss. <laughs> I mean, just some of it bad luck, some of it pandemic related, and some of it just, you know, uh, some of it goes on the players. Maybe, you know, they call that Don Terry Poe for not being in shape, although I think there might be more there. You know, it's like there's a whole, a whole different a bunch of reasons of why it didn't work out, but the bottom line is it didn't work out. So Cam Irving wasn't really a great one. Uh, he just got hurt, and even yeah. Everson Griffin, I mean, that wasn't during like March free agency. They added him later in the year, but like you didn't get much out of that. Uh, for as well as their draft class was, you know, that that free agency just and hey, just think about it if it was typical Cowboys season of the last decade and they wouldn't have brought in Andy Dalton and they just would have went yeah. with one of the other back. I mean, it could have been even worse. I mean, Andy Dalton, uh, I mean, that was a great free agency signing for what they spent on him, one year deal. Uh, at least they had somebody that was capable of starting games down the stretch there, even though, well, hey, I mean, they did go into the final week of still having a chance to make the playoffs, as ridiculous as that sounds. But anyway, uh, real quick on that one, what do you think that they'll do at backup quarterback? I find hard to believe that they go and get Andy Dalton, and then this year they're just going to be like, no, we're fine with Garrett Gilbert. Like, it makes me wonder if they're going to be willing to kick the tires than somebody else that maybe is let go from a team that has some starting experience as well. Seems like it's a McCarthy thing. No, it absolutely is. But McCarthy, no matter who they have, he'll just say, we're good. Like, I've got my guys, we're good. I, I mean, I can't see Danucci being the guy. I, that, that Can we stop to, uh, to um, trying to draft guys in the seventh round to uh, quarterback? Can we can we throw a fourth-round pick at a, another quarterback here, too? That's an airing. To develop as a backup and possibly a starter. Can we stop throwing these Hail Marys at seventh round Tony Romo guys and, you know, the Cooper Rushes, the, the Ben DiNucci's, and can we get, a, like, a more solid in, guy with intangibles, like, towards the middle of the draft this year, maybe? I, I like the strategy of getting the old guy who can't find a job. Or the old guy who's experienced. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I, yeah, I'm not about I, the I seventh one rounder. Uh, yeah. We'll develop him for two years, put him in for one game, and see he sucks, and then move on. And I, I know our mind goes to Kitna and and Kyle Orton and Andy Dalton, but even a guy like he was not great here. But even a guy like Mark Sanchez, who Dak openly talked about how much Mark Sanchez was very helpful for him in his first year. Like I think that's something that matters. So like a you know a Josh McCown type, you know yeah. if you're kicking it around and you want to come play for the Dallas Cowboys, you know. I'm yeah, I have no that. issue if they're going seventh I like that round. Stuff. On- I have no issue with the sixth, seventh round uh, draft pick to try and, you know, get lucky and maybe hit on somebody like late like that. If you're doing what KT just said, if you're if you are bringing in that veteran guy. But if you're expecting your young guy to be the backup to Dak, then I agree with Kent. It's got to be somebody that's taken higher than the, the sixth or seventh round. You know, if that's going to be your backup quarterback, you, you should yeah. probably be looking in the third or fourth round. That's good that they have plenty of options. I mean, they can, I never want to roll in their eyes, but they do like Cooper Rush to an extent that he knows the offense and is a good dude he can have around. So you have that option. You have the Garrett Gilbert option. You have to see if Andy Dalton wants to stay here. Andy Dalton might. I mean, Andy Dalton, I think the number one reason he came here was because of COVID. 
well, guess what, guys? COVID might still be a thing. <laughs> if we get we start talking about going to training camp, and we saw the news that the combine basically basically being imploded this year because of the pandemic. Like, I don't know if it's if that, if that's a reason for him to come. But maybe give give him that contract, the same contract he had last year, and and do it again. So what, what I, about I'm, what about run it back. Uh, what does Jacoby Brissett do for you? I was just gonna say. Um, I would take Jacoby Brissett um, if he would become available. I, I think he would probably rather stay in Indy if he was going to be a backup um, just because he's got a kind of an established role there with Frank Reich and and all that. Um, and who knows what they do at quarterback. Um, but, yeah, I would take Jacoby Brissett over, over Ben DiNucci. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is where, like, there's a lot of dominoes to fall here, right? What about Blake What's- Bortles? No, I'm good. What about okay. Tarod, Tarod Taylor, um, Nathan Peterman? I got oh, the winner right here for, for KT. RG3. No, I got a better one than that. KT will love this. A guy by the name of Brent... Brett Hunley. Brent Hunley's no good. You're not going <laughs> to want that. <laughs> How do you know? I've seen it. Where? Hey, you know who else has seen it? Mike McCarthy. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, yeah, not you know, a lot I, of these backups intrigue me. What about uh, Fitzpatrick? As like the Andy yeah. Dalton role. Yeah, yeah. but I, I mean, Fitzpatrick would be more expensive than Andy Dalton probably, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Maybe. A little more. Hey, Cam Newton? <laughs> I don't think they would go that route. I mean, not, he would be more expensive too, but he's got dead arm. Um, I don't think he will be more expensive. Would you guys take I think a flyer he'll be what on? Andy um, will. Would you guys take uh, a flyer on uh, Josh Rosen? Yes. Absolutely would. Absolutely yeah. would. Nick Mullins. But, uh, yeah. As a backup, I would take him as a backup. Yeah, and I think Mullins is pretty terrible, but yeah. <laughs> um, done well against the, the Rosen. The Rosen thing makes some sense because I could see him looking at the team and being like. I mean, if Tyron and Lyle are back, like the offensive line's pretty solid. They got a you know solid running game, and then those receivers, like you know, yeah, Dak's probably not going to get hurt, but if he does, and that seems like a situation that he would probably think is better than maybe some of the others that he's had. Rosen may be completely broken at this point, sure. though. Oh well, yeah, um, but I mean, that's why we're talking about these guys. <laughs> that's why we're talking about these guys. I, I I see no reason. I mean, Garrett Gilbert. I don't think you go, man, yeah, that's the guy's going to win me a bunch of games. But, like, if that's your fallback option, that's better than yeah. just going, hey, we're running Cooper Rush out there like they did. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless, Bless you. you. Blessings. Colt McCoy? Uh, yeah, I'm interested in that. I think I think Colt McCoy's the type of guy who's, like, a good influence on, on those guys. I love that type of stuff. Um, But, again, Andy Dalton, dude. Let's do it again. What, what's Andy Dalton yeah. going to ask for four or five million dollars more than he made last year? Well, then if you do that, then you're not going to play here, and you're here because of COVID. Well, then you're going to have to go play somewhere else during a pandemic. So, like, like here, I will give you a, a one or two million dollars more than you made last year. Thank you for your service and be our backup again. Let's do that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And if not, and maybe he can, maybe he liked it too. I think the maybe. hometown discounts would certainly apply to Andy Dalton. I think he's somebody. He's at a point in his career so where he he knows his role. I think I think he's comfortable with these this team now that he got to play a lot last year, and I think that 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 would do him better than if he had sat the bench all last year 
and is yeah. up again on a contract, he would probably be out of here. But I think the fact that last season went the way he did, probably it, it serves you better long-term that he's probably going to be around here. I would and the other thing is, is like I'm sure Cam Newton and Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton all thought that they would have better opportunities last year in free agency. You know, I mean, we're seeing it right now with these coaches. Like, I, for one, I thought that Matt Eberflus's name about a month and a half ago would be in a lot more of these head coaching uh, yeah. searches. And you're not really hearing his name that much. He's had a couple interviews. But, like, you really don't know until you get out there in the market is what I'm trying to say. And so we can sit here and say, like, yeah, Andy was real solid down the, down the stretch. There's definitely going to be a team willing to give him a chance to, like, I don't know. Most of these teams would rather just go younger and just start finding, trying to find their next guy as opposed to getting some. So if your options are basically to be, you're going to be a backup wherever, why wouldn't you just want to stay here and be the backup, you know? Yeah. No, I so. agree. Uh, two more names I'll throw out. Uh, Mike Glennon and Gardner Minshew. Uh, no on Glennon, but I'll take Minshew. But I don't think, I think somebody would give Minshew a little bit more money. They see and, a little more potential in him. I, I You know. I don't think Minshew would be a, a starter, but I think he would go somewhere where he has a chance to compete to be a starter at some point. And can we just can we just agree that like we hope that Deshaun Watson doesn't somehow end up in Washington or Philadelphia? Because it sure seems like Deshaun Watson's not going to be a Houston Texan next year. I, I look at the uh, the piece Mike Sando put up on Monday on the Athletic. He uh, broke down some trade scenarios with for Deshaun Watson and like what teams would have to give up to get Deshaun Watson. And, uh, you know, I don't think Philadelphia was really in that, in that conversation. It, you know, I think the teams that made the most sense was like the Jets and the uh, Dolphins and the Dolphins, you know, they've got, they've got some capital there to be Panthers. able to tr- trade to a, or trade Sam Darnold and give him, you know, get something in return or even, yeah. even San Francisco be able to trade Garoppolo to, uh, you know, give them something. So, I don't see that as a as a possibility, but the Cowboys have to try to do everything they can to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, here's some semi-breaking news here, speaking of the division. Oh! Semi-breaking news. Uh, Eagles interested in interviewing for their vacancy. Fossil. Jim Fossil. Special teams yeah. coordinator. I, I mean, right. I honestly think that you can make a, the list of who hasn't been contacted by the Eagles is probably smaller than the one of who has. I mean, they're just clearly reaching out to everybody right now. I mean, every single coach that's been available, they have been mentioned with. Yeah, if they, which if, makes it fascinating to see who they're going to get, John, because there's not really a John Fossil is like a is, is a big I don't know he's a well known name. I you know I, to me the Kellen Moore thing is is kind of funny. I hope they hire Kellen Moore as their as their head coach. Um, you know, I, I think Kellen Moore is going to get a lot of interviews, and then he's going to be interviewed, and they'll be like, "No, we're good." You know, I, I just don't think like uh, of all these people that are interviewing that Kellen Moore is going to be like the the hands down like blow people away candidate. Yeah. You know, I just don't see it. Um, and it's 32 as well, you know. I think it's like there's there's a future to get better at those, uh, you know, interviews or skills or, or things like that, and, and and a lot more to prove in in the NFL too. Would so, it scare you if the Eagles hired John Fossil? Not at all. I wouldn't like no. it, but it wouldn't scare me. I'd be like, let's go, just get a new uh, special teams guy, maybe one that has less say on when to call, call fake punts. Yeah. Um, so who Kel- would who Kellen, would scare a, you out of what's out there? Kellen, who really would scare you? I want Kellen here. I do. 
I, yeah. I that's the one I don't want to lose though. So yeah, I Kellen. But I'm just saying, Eagles, if, if Kellen was that. if Kellen was the Bills' offensive coordinator, I don't think you would be sitting here going, "Man, I hope they don't get Kellen Moore as their head coach." I think it's more because of the fact that you're like, well, yeah, then that also takes away the Cowboys offensive coordinator and potentially yeah. future Cowboys head coach. And I get, I get all that, but I'm saying if you're just putting all the names out there, there's not like a lot of guys. I mean, <laughs> to me, the biggest one has been urban Meyer. Like there's not really a lot of guys out there that I'm just like, Oh, they're going to completely turn this around. You know, this is, yeah. this is over with now. Good luck. Joe Brady, I, Joe Brady. I want so bad. Uh, but I can't say, I can't say that like, I know how M- McCarthy would handle that when McCarthy be like, you know what? I got it. I'll call the plays. Yeah. And it's like, well, I don't know if you want that. You know, it's like, I think that that's, that's a road that I just think, I think there is some part of him that I think wants to call plays. Um, Cause that was his passion and what he did for, you know, 15 or nearly 15 years in Green Bay. Yeah. Um, but, but maybe it would be just bring a new guy in and, and, and something like that. But it's I've got right. one, more, one more, one more grievance. Yeah, Mm-hmm. And and I bring this grievance to the table on behalf of Father John Mashoda. Uh and this has to do with, with his job and what he goes through every single day. Can we get a moderator for the press conferences, please? Can we? Can we? Cowboys? Can we? You know, fix this shit, Rich. Come on. Like what? Why do? Why can't we have somebody directing the questions on these virtual press conferences? They're everybody's talking over each other. It's a complete mess every single every single time. It's not that hard. Come on, every other team in the NFL is doing it, you know. And it, it's a it's a huge pain for John. I, I, I sense it in his voice every time he comes on here. He has to deal with it. And so it's not that big of a deal. Let, I'm let, fine let, with it. Let's let's <laughs> let's get that fixed. Let's let's have a little bit more uh, order to things as we go forward. And I'm tired of of trying to listen to to Coach McCarthy and have him asked to repeat 12 different questions because of a an easily fixable thing. So yeah, last grievances. Let's have some better media availability going into 2021. We'll right, make everybody's lives rich. easier. Fix it, Rich. It's up to you, Rich. Um, all right, if anything happens big time, we'll break in with an emergency podcast, of course, oh, yeah. as we have always been known to do. Uh, but, you know, for now... We're just uh, we've hit the off season phase of about them Cowboys. We want to make sure you go uh, keep checking the Athletic Daily for uh, goodies such as today. John Bashota has a list of twenty three agents that could make sense for the Cowboys. That's something I think you'll enjoy reading, whether it's on the uh, website on your on your big desktop at home if you still have that, or a laptop, or maybe on the the iPhone app. Make sure that you well the, the app on any phone uh, actually. Uh, make sure you download the Athletic app. Uh, and check out all the other podcasts you have going as well. Obviously, Prospects to Pros is one of my favorites this time of year with Dane Brugler and Lance Zerline. Um, for Father John Mishota, for our producer, Kent Garrison, I'm Kevin K.T. Turner. We'll be back soon. We'll see you next time. Another episode of About Them Cowboys. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless. <laughs>